podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Leeds Light Podcast. I'm James. I'm with Rocco. Hello. And Dara Cunningham. Hello. Good to have you back, Dara. Thanks for having me. So, special thanks to Bass and Bly for sponsoring the podcast. Uh, that's bassandbly.com. Rocco, have you got anything for me this week or us? No, I've got nothing, I'm afraid. I was out with Justin last night, actually, and he promised to send me some facts and he has failed. So, it's on him. We can move on. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll take his money and give him no advertising. <laughs> that's how these things work. Um, so, yeah, Bass and Bly premium independent photographic dealership based in Harrogate, specializing in camera, sorry, cameras, binoculars, and spotting scopes. Uh, they've been going for over 60 years. Justin's not 60 though, is he? No, Justin's not. He's in his early forties. He's massive. Everywhere he goes. You know what, lads, I, showed, I, I said next time I'm on, I was going to say this, but my wife insisted that we buy one of these kind of super amazing cameras, like 700 quid for our honeymoon. We went to the Baldives, and I have to be honest, as much as I argued about it at the time, it was one of the best investments we've ever made. Uh, we bought a really nice camera. We've had it for eight years. We bring it on all our holidays, and we come back with brilliant pictures or brilliant memories. So, basically, get out there and get a good camera off them. Yeah, that's it. And they sell, they sell Canon, Fujifilm, Nikon, Sony, and all the mirrorless systems, Z mirrorless X series. People who are listening to this will know what they are. Binoculars and spotting scopes as well. It's from brands such as Swarovski Hawk, Optocron, Leica, Zeiss, Kite Optics, Vortex, loads of used equipment, cameras, DSLRs, lenses, lockers, all that sort of stuff. And they do servicing as well. So sensor cleaning, camera repairs, all that kind of stuff. So they've got you covered. You don't need to go anywhere else. The best place on the planet. And someone who listens to podcasts was in the shop. So people have been there visiting, um, which is great. So go to Harrogate, Christmas markets on, go to Bass and Buy, have a great time. I'll just go to bassandbly.com. You made me spell, spell this last time, Rocco, but the link's in the uh, podcast description, so just click me. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I just think it's just, yeah, it's just, it could be spelled any one of about 100 ways, I think, so always good to clarify. B-A-S-S-A-N-D-B-L-I-G-H. <laughs> is this that, just Rocco. because I called it Bats and Bly before? <laughs> yeah, this is just for Dara. It's not for anyone listening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for Right, so I'm going to call this episode Dad Joe Coventry Pity um, because it was, it was, oh, it was annoying. I was, I was looking forward to it. It was a beautiful evening. You'll see loads of photos on Twitter from lots of people, red sky at night, leads of shite and all that. So yeah, what happened? Well, Dorigo had a stinking cold, I noticed on the, listening back on the, the um, highlights, that's the word I'm looking for. It's, but yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a great night. I mean, it's, it's a bit harsh talking about it so negatively from the off, but I didn't enjoy it. Uh, no, I mean, so many people have said disappointing and frustrating, like, ev- like everyone seems to use those two words. And I think that speaks volumes, like really disappointed that we weren't good enough to beat such a crap team. And there were crap. Actually, I meant to check. And I've not checked, but they had a defender called Kitching, and I presumed it was Liam Kitching, former Leeds, Harrogate Town defender, and that sort of sums it up. Their 
fullbacks were rubbish. Just a yeah, poor team and we really struggled. And that is very disappointing. And then obviously frustrating, especially with Ipswich drawing. And then the big chance at the end, which I don't think James, I think he was a bit unlucky, James. But yeah, and the ref, obviously, very frustrating. So yeah, sums it up those two words pretty well, doesn't it? Yeah, kind of, kind of, can't disagree with that. I thought, you know, it's kind of a hangover from the Sunderland game. Really, it was like almost like a continuation of that, where we're knocking on the door and knocking on the door and knocking on the door, and we can't get there, and then we give away a sloppy goal. Although on this occasion, we obviously did get there at one time. But I think, it, I think that frustration comes from weeks and weeks of watching us miss chances over and over again and not put games to bed. You mentioned Dan James and that miss at the end. They've cut that off the highlights, you know. Yeah. I was, I was trying to watch it on the extended highlights and it's not there. It's like, are we that ashamed that we're just, <laughs> we're just chopping it out? And, but whilst we're on the subject of Dan James, I think I promised our listenership last week to drop in Dara's audio, but I don't need to. You hear Dara? <laughs> <laughs> and I did actually send you an audio just to remind you of what it was. So yeah, so it's, it's, it's a tune for the Dan, Dan James Appreciation Society. And it's from the movie Italian Job where they sing the self Preservation Society. So there becomes Dan, self becomes James, preservation becomes appreciation. And what we end up with, hopefully, is a packed Ellen Road singing Dan James Appreciation Society. Dan James Appreciation Society. And you'll notice that my Irish accent completely drops because I cannot sing a lead song in anything other than a Yorkshire <laughs> accent because that is how I was raised. Love it. Yeah, it's perfect. And um, I think I remember, I said this last week, but I'm sure I saw a while ago, someone, a young lad sort of saying, oh, it's only these sad bastards on Twitter that are in their 40s that try and write songs. Like, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) The thing I like about this song, though, is, and I I think I mentioned this when I talked to you earlier in the week about it, it was like, it kind of references that we may have got it wrong about him at first, that we gave him a hard time. And he's been through, he's been through the ringer for us. And it's like, here's a little, here's a little bit of appreciation, Dan. You know, it's not over the top. It's just a recognition of the work he's doing for us. So Dan James, appreciation, society, (laughs) all the way. I love it, mate. I love it. It's great. And I think he has been treated and talked about fairly harshly. Won't say by whom, but we, we, we probably know between us all anyway. So yeah commentary early on i think we gave it away and they had a shot where melier was at full stretch uh, i think it was dan james who might have given it away tried to sort of play a quick ball back into the middle and and i thought oh here we go is this a sign of things to come and i think we 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 sort of stepped up the tempo then but but actually straight on from that i think jed spence ran up the wing and then he gave the ball away and they were coming back it was kind of like all the signs were there that mm, i think we'll score but will we actually get anything out of this game yeah, the first half was, it was frustrating. Like, I, I didn't feel like we even looked like troubling them, which was ridiculous. I, I know there was one that flashed across the goal and then James was, well, he went down, didn't he, under pressure. So I don't know if it's a penalty. I've not seen it back. I very much doubt it. You know, like a few little half chances, but we didn't create anything really. And yeah, it was, but at the same time, I did feel like we just had to be patient, you know, because I just felt like it, it would come and obviously it did in the end, but yeah, I think Dara was right. I think it was a continuation of, of Sunderland and it just took us a while to really, yeah, get, 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 get anything done. Like Dan James, like I thought he was, well, he was doing very well defensively, like, you know, four or five times 
he was coming back and helping out and, you know, doing great stuff. But yeah, just going forward, I didn't really think, I didn't think we were on it. Yeah, I'd agree. I think you have to give, you have to look at Coventry, I suppose, as well, and that they set out their stall very defensively and very aggressive from the very start. So it was a bit of a cagey game f- from the get-go. And we did ha- we did create those two chances. Like the Dan James one, I think it would have been a soft penalty had it had it happened. He he seemed to shift it towards his right foot and the defender was on his right side. And he knew, I think he knew he wasn't going to get a shot off. If he'd taken it on his left, I think he'd have been fine because he would have been just moving slightly away from the defender. But the one that really bugged me was the, the Somerville one. I'm not convinced it was a penalty, but it's definitely a foul because the guy initially tries to hold him off. And that's fine. You can hold someone off for like half a second. But it went on for about three seconds. Like he held him off and then Somerville tried to go around and then he held him off again and then he held him off again. I was like, ref, you got to blow your whistle here. You, you can't do that. So that won't yeah. bug me. That would have been an indirect free kick inside the box, which would have been very dangerous or at best a penalty because he was pulling his short. Of, so, yeah, I think... He, 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 he couldn't have been more off the ball as well. Like the ball was nowhere near. It, to me, my view of it looked like a rugby tackle. Like it, it was just completely ludicrous. I, yeah, I was losing my head then. Yeah, it was like something like an American football, like we have a blocker. But he was waiting for the defender to come in and, and get that ball away, which was 10 feet away. And the defender hesitated and didn't do it. So at that point, the ref has to blow his whistle because anywhere else on the pitch, that's a foul. And then he gave it the other way, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, it, it was like, the, it, was, it, was, it was the archetypal like ref who just doesn't want to give a penalty and then he panicked. <laughs> Like, because they had to give something, so he just gave them a free kick, like, you know, to justify not giving a penalty. Ludicrous. Should we talk about the ref? Get it out of the way? That's yeah, get out of your system, Rocco. Go on. Yeah, well, it re- I'm, like, this sounds like a joke, but I'm, I, like, I was most annoyed that he was overweight. I think it's absolutely outrageous. Like, how, how could a professional referee be allowed to be so overweight? Like, it's just nonsense. Like, I've, like, I've, like, not done any exercise for a while. Like, my belly's getting bigger, but I'm still probably in better shape than that guy. Like, what is going on? The professionals, there's no excuse. Like, you're not fit to referee. It's true. I didn't realize you're such a fattest. (laughs) (laughs) Fat shaming referee. It's a job to be fit. I know. Well, yeah. But in this case, it's completely valid, I feel. It's not on. Completely ridiculous. Yeah, I didn't, see Rocco outside. Oh, sorry, go on, Dara. I was going to say the thing that bugged me about the referee was uh, he seemed to see he seemed to want to let the game flow, but that's not his job. Uh, one of my best mates, really good guy, I play tennis with called David Goff. He's a young referee over here in Ireland. He referees GAA at the very highest level. He's refereed the All Ireland final twice in front of eighty thousand people, and he's like thirty nine years old. He's a fantastic referee and has the respect of everyone. I brought him into UCD one time to give a, give a talk on what it's like to be a referee in front of 80,000 people when you're trying to make decisions. And he said one year he decided he was going to let the, let the play flow a little bit more. And he kept getting hammered in the papers for it and hammered behind the scenes from the referee's officials. And he came to the realisation that as a referee, it's not his job to allow the game to flow or not. It's his job to enforce the rules as he sees them. And it's up to the players if the game is going to flow or not, or if they're going to commit little fouls or if they're going to commit big fouls. That's the players' jobs. But as a referee, your job is to call fouls and instances as you see them. And that referee yesterday seemed determined to just allow the play to, 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 to flow as much as possible. That's not his job because Coventry were coming out incredibly aggressively 
and kicking lumps out of our far more skillful and superior players. Definitely, and very well put, and it is true. And a good example of that is Pascal, the battle he had with, uh, was it Ellis? I think it's Ellis. Sims. It? Yeah, Sims, Sims, sorry. Yeah, and because he, he's a, he, in the flesh, he's a bit of a monster, isn't he? And Pascal, I, th- I thought, did well for most of the game. Yeah, he did. It, it, I mean, it was a tough battle, and yeah, I was I was pleased with Strauch. I thought he I thought he did handle him well because he is yeah he is a bit of a unit that guy. But yeah, that was another thing that really pissed me off actually when they scored, and Sims went to grab the ball off Melier like really aggressively, and like they ended up having like a scuffle, and like Melier got booked for it. He the, he booked the striker as well, but like Melier did nothing wrong. Like the guy was just being a complete asshole. <laughs> Yeah, he booked them both for it, which was very odd. Yeah, it was, that's that's the thing. Like, it's, like we defended well. I think Farker might have said that we defended well, and we did defend well, and we pretty much always defend well, but we always make a mistake and gift away goals. Like, we're not keeping clean sheets. It's just not happening, and yeah, there's always, like, just one incident, and it's, yeah, it's always enough to, to screw us over. Yeah, for me, that's very much part of the, the, the frustration is that there seems to be a blueprint out there now if you're playing this Leeds United side. If you defend like a dog for 90 minutes, we will eventually cave in and give you at least one chance. Like one fairly good chance. Yet we could have probably the best squad in the league, certainly the best attacking lineup in the league, and we will struggle to break down those, those 11 men. So I think that's part of the frustration is that we've seen, this, we've seen this play out before. We saw it at Sheffield Wednesday, we saw it at Rotherham, we saw it at Stoke. So at Sutherland, we've seen it again against Coventry. So I think that's part of the frustration boiling over. It happened with Bielsa, didn't it? Mm. There's ta- there times where, you know, we're putting teams under a tremendous amount of pressure, playing that free-flowing attacking football, just couldn't score. And, and teams were, were getting, you know, getting results out of us at Ellen Road and getting results out of us when we're, we were away as well. So I think that's the thing is like, there is a lot of frustration and I'm frustrated for one, but I'm not losing my head and I don't think it's the end. You know, I think all these things are solvable and I think if anything, you've got to be glad that they're happening now as opposed to towards the end of the season. So let's get it, get it all out of the way. I would say. And Ruter, turning our attention to him, like again, watch the highlights and it, and it paints a picture of this ethereal God on the, another God Rocco. I don't know where he is in line with your other gods, <laughs> but, um, I thought he was he was he was frustrating me in the first half. He was kind of giving the ball away. He wasn't cushioning it well. He was doing trying fancy flicks to get around players, and it was it was it was annoying me a bit. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Ah, oh, yeah, I, I was annoyed as well. And yeah, it was one of those days for him where nothing came off. Yeah, it was it was bordering on awful, really. You know, when you boil it right down. But at the same time, I. I don't know. I just have to excuse him because, you know, he's trying magic and we know he can deliver magic. And, and he did, to be fair. I mean, the first touch for his assist is magic. Like, I don't even know how he did it. Like, one touch turns, like, I, I, I don't know, it's a magnificent touch to set himself and then to play the ball at, at the right time, perfectly weighted. It was a, a world-class assist for me, that. Um, so... Yeah, he's delivering. He's delivering in moments, but yeah, we we need more from him. From him, I think in like overall, it, it, there's too too many times the ball's just coming back, and I think Sunderland was similar as well. I think a lot of the time he was losing his battles. He's he's probably needs to learn that 
He's not going to get decisions by falling over. He doesn't seem to have learnt that yet. So because it's weird, isn't it? Because a lot of the time he's really strong. Like you know, sometimes he'll look like he's been tackled, but he'll just barge his way through and he's got the ball again. So yeah, you want to see him do that. Like use that strength when he's when he's holding the ball up and yeah, just sort of battling on the on the halfway line and yeah, not not get dispossessed so much. Yeah, I thought I thought you had a, an interesting game, a bit of bit from both worlds, really. I mean, if you look at it, he probably should have had four goals. Like there was one where he skipped inside and he had a very Bielsa-esque. He had a clear shot at the keeper and instead of putting it either side of him, he hit it straight at the keeper with power, which is a problem we constantly had with Bielsa. Not, not Bielsa's fault, obviously, just players choosing to shoot straight at the keeper. But, and even that one came back to him and he had another shot which the keeper actually saved. He had that revolute that he did, the kind of Zidane turn where he hit into the side netting. And then the other one where he rolled the defender in the first half and hit it near post into the side netting. Like any one of those could have been a goal. But for me, the, the, the rudder problem goes back to how we look at Peru. And it's perhaps the reframing of this. Like it's been on social media. It was on, it was on West Yorkshire Sport a lot yesterday about Peru being in the wrong position. And I think, I obviously mentioned this at Norwich because if I see something, I think it's probably better to, to, to call it when we have a win than to call it well, at a loss because you could always be accused of, of kind of, of overreacting. So, I mean, I mentioned this after the Norwich game that for me it wasn't working. And I know that Farka gave his explanation on why Peru is a good 10. And to be fair, that, that was quite convincing. I No doubt Peru can play 10. But there's two elements to that conversation and part of it is What's Rutter's best position? And I think if you look even statistically, and I think we, we all know you can't just play everything on statistics, but four goals and nine assists would suggest he's a fantastic creator who will chip in with goals. That's the, that's the role of a 10. Everything he's done that's been good in a lead short has been in the role of a creator. So I think the other side of that argument is, yeah, fair enough, Peru can play the 10, but can Rutter play nine? Or would Rutter be a better 10 because it goes you know as, as much as we we think you know all this stuff side to side in front of 11 men it's really difficult he's the one who will break the line whether it's the slick pass to Somerville that we saw as you said Rocco perfectly weighted or if it's a dribble you know if he fronts up two people and just skips past the two of them he's the only one who can do that so to have him in a deeper position for me makes way more sense and then I also see the the, the element of it that when our two wingers, who are the best two wingers in the, in the league, get down the line and try and put some crosses in, perhaps per- Peru is in the box to get, get on the end of them. Which, again, he's just not. Every time I look for him, he's, he's, he's back at the edge of the box. It's, it's like, as I say, it's just not working for me, but I think it's how it's framed. It's not so much about Peru not being able to play the 10. It's that Ruter would be better in a deeper position. Uh, I'm really glad you said that because I was thinking about this earlier and I was thinking, the same thing, like, sh- should this be more about Ruta dropping into a 10? But I wouldn't have said it as eloquently and I wouldn't have thrown in some statistics as well to back up my opinion. So cheers, Dara, for putting it way better than I could have. <laughs> well, look, look at Peru's statistics in that. Eight goals and one assist. So like, you've got a yes. guy who's got eight goals and one assist at versus four goals and nine assists. It makes sense just to reverse them. You know, just put, yeah. put Peru in front. When I was at the Sheffield Wednesday game earlier in the season, that's when I actually had that kind of real frustration at it because to me it made perfect sense they had 10 men or 11 men behind the ball which is exactly what's happened to us twice this week and it just made more sense to me to have Ruter d- deeper looking to create and perhaps that jack-in-the-box Peru who's probably the best striker in the league 
it, you know, feeding off, you know, a bobble off someone's knee. It doesn't have to be perfect, but the strikers just have that anticipation, don't they? Yeah. yeah. And that's what all his goals were at Swansea. And, and you think, well, he's been bought based on the stats from being a top goal scorer in that position. So <laughs> why are we playing him somewhere different anyway? Rocco, anything yeah, to add? Sorry. Well, yeah, I mean, well, just firstly touching on what you just said, I mean, yeah, what, like, why did we buy him? Did we, did we seriously buy him as a 10? I mean, I, I remember I do the, the Just Joe football show sometimes and, you know, Max from Leeds lately and, and a couple of others as well. They'd said that Peru isn't Daniel Farker 9. That was when we were first linked with Peru. So if that is the case, which it, it seems like they were completely bang on with that because he's, he's not playing in there and he, and he basically said that he doesn't see him ever playing there really. So have we really bought him as our number 10? I don't know, maybe that's the case. But then also like when you say about the stats, well, if you swapped them around, would you be happy with the output? You would, you know, your striker's got, what, seven, eight, and then Rutter's got four goals and a load, bank loads of assists, you know, so at 10. You're sort of getting the output that you would expect from, from them playing in the opposite role. So something's working, but then it's that question that we can't answer. You know, would we be getting more from them if they were swapped around or would we be getting less? Like if Rutter's playing nine, him dropping back uh, into the deeper positions, is he dragging out a defender and making it easy for, easier for himself to find, you know, pick gaps in, in the defence? I don't really know. I, I, you know, I, I, I'm just caught at the moment now in this position where we've got a great number of points, like, well done, that's great. But at the same time, there's two other teams doing, you know, they're 10 points ahead of us. Like, shouldn't we be doing that well as well? If they can do it, like, shouldn't we be? I, I feel like there's no reason why we shouldn't be doing as well as them. But then I think, well, it's a long season. And will it all catch up with them? And, you know, you know, hopefully we'll just keep motoring on. But yeah, you have to ask the questions now. Because the thing for me, you know, speaking very generally and, and actually going against what, what a lot of people are saying and what we've touched on tonight, I actually don't think we're creating enough chances. And, and I think that's part of the problem. Like people say we, we've created enough to win three or four games yesterday, but I don't really see it like that. I, th I think you need to create five, four or five chances to score a goal generally. And we probably created four or five chances yesterday. One wasn't like we created 10, 12 chances. And I saw a stat pre-game actually in the cop bar. We're averaging 11 shots a game and Coventry are averaging 10 shots a game. Not much different, is it? Like you'd expect us to, to, be, to be doing more really. Well, on that shots thing, I mean, one thing that we never do is shoot, shoot from distance. We seem to never shoot from distance and we are awful from set plays. Like we really are. Like we put when when Farka goes for broke at the end. But this is I, I think that Farka is fantastic. Like I, think, I I do think he has the the Peru Rutter thing wrong, uh, and I'm not saying it's not working. I'm saying it could work better if it was the other way around, in my opinion. But the the the, the dead ball thing is is killing us. Like Bielsa never put any weight into it, but it is a way of scoring goals. And unfortunately for us, it seems to be scoring goals against us. that seems to be the the issue with it. Like why don't we ever score from? set pieces and we really should be putting more effort into it because when we put those three forwards on and the one one eight formation that the go for broke that we do we never just lump it into the box and let the ball kind of ping around like a pinball and let you know don't say that Bamford tap it in but Bamford's control isn't even working on at the moment but I mean isn't that the point of putting on those three strikers that you know you just lump it in the box and let it ping around and hopefully it falls to a Joseph or a Gelhart or a Bamford and they just get a toe on it and stab it in like that's the whole point isn't it 
Yeah. I mean, just touching on our goal, the good moments uh, as well, but that, that was a great goal. And that, that turn you mentioned from, from Ruter, is that a signature turn? Like that one, one touch turn, a bit like Rafinha's was that one touch with his right and then left footed nutmeg through, through a defender and then bombs down the wing. Um, but, but in the, in the aftermath of that, because there's some great celebrations going on in front of us. It was brilliant. And, um, but Ruta ran up to a ball on a cone and he absolutely smashed it into the, the roof of the stand. I knew he was just letting out his frustrations of just, you know, not scoring and taking his chances, but uh, it was quite funny. All right, Terry Day. He is a character. You that. He could have hurt someone. Love him. Uh, he probably did. Probably really hurt someone. But, you know, <laughs> no, he didn't. But uh, there might be some legal thing in that. So I'll say he didn't. And Aileen was warming up in front of us as well. Nice to see him down on the touchline back there. He got a nice little champ. Adam, who I was sitting next to, Aileen always does this stretch. I can't describe it other than a very wide lunge. And uh, Adam always goes, uh, he says, oh, I could pick what he had for his dinner. Speaking of Aileen and, and, and the fullback positions, isn't it just so typical of Leeds? And, and, and we're the only club who would ever do this. We bought a right back to play left back and we bought a striker to play 10. And they're the two positions that are still costing us as, as far as I'm concerned. Because I thought Jed Spence yesterday for that goal was very much our fault. Like, that ball breaks to that guy and he doesn't run to him. He stands off him and lets him cross it in. I was fuming. Well, he did it time and time again. In the first half, he was, he was his starting position. Like, he was happy to stand back, like, over five yards of the winger, you know, and let him just sort of, yeah, have a run at him. And I'm, like, screaming at him to get closer. And that's a worry. You know, I know he's playing. I thought he played well against Sunderland, and I've been impressed with him. And obviously, he's on the wrong side, and he struggles, you know, to play left back, I think, versus how Byram handles it. But that's like a elementary thing isn't it like that's just as a fullback he has yeah. like wherever he is like how can you not be quicker to get tighter to these people that was a bit worrying I think there was three errors there there was that that annoyed me um it really annoyed me when I watched it back the highlights and there was also in the run-ups that Ampadu gave the ball away just like a really sloppy pass and that's not on the highlights but that it all started from that and then we just didn't put them under pressure even Melia didn't come for it and when he probably could have done, which was exactly the same as what happened at Sunderland, where he just got caught in no man's land and Joe Bellingham obviously nodded it past him. So, yeah, there's not always like one person to blame in these scenarios. Um, and you just pick the things that frustrate you the most. But there was a, just a catalogue of errors for me there. And it, it, ah, it's sickening watching it back, to be honest. But I could kind of see it coming. It's funny you mentioned the Ambadu thing, because that, that time when he, he, ran, he ran back towards our goal on our right side, and took it off the defender and then continued to run for 60 yards with it instead of just making a simple pass. I actually said to myself, he's going to be tired after that. And it was mm-hmm. a tired, lazy pass that he made about two or three minutes later, which cost us that goal. I was just thinking that was so unnecessary to, to actually go on a 60-yard run with the ball when you could have just passed it off, conserved your energy and set up an t- attack. I mean, look, look, he's been fantastic all season and he's a young lad and he'll, he'll learn, but that was completely unnecessary to take up that amount of energy out of yourself for, for no reward. I feel like Ampadu, we've talked about Ampadu quite a lot recently, just sort of saying he's not been at the levels that he was right at the start of the season. I still feel that. I felt that yesterday as well. There's a few sloppy things going on. And I think he's someone we really need to 
to come back up to speed pretty quickly, particularly going into the game against Ipswich next week, because um, he was brilliant in the Ipswich away game and really helped us to sort of dominate midfield. Now, and I'm I'm worried about the uh, current condition that he's in. What about you? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I hope so. I, I do think he's gone from being an eight out of ten down to seven, hasn't he? He's yeah, he started five. off so well. <laughs> no chance. But yeah, I think we just gotta gotta stick with him. He's played every single minute, hasn't he? So could it possibly be a, a bit of fatigue setting in? I don't know. Could we play? Could we rest him? I don't know. Like Gray and Kamara in midfield. Feel like it would do the job. I know Ampadu's a different midfielder to both of them, but Kamara Gray can was tackle, can't he? Gray was in the middle for the Ipswich game, wasn't he? He was. He was. Although Gruev would be would be my shout now if we're going to take Ampadu out. I think we, obviously we've seen Gruev play, and he's obviously not been as effective, particularly against Stoke. But it, it was it, it was in a slightly different role. I think he's been bought to be that Ampadu replacement. Now I wouldn't take him out for Ipswich. He's got a week to he's got a week to recover for that, but. I think some of our players do need a little rest, and that's why you that's why you have a squad. I mean, that's what that's the one criticism I think we all had of Bielsa is that when players were tired and leggy, and and you think about being tired and leggy as a professional athlete is, it doesn't always come out in the physical outputs. Like the stats will still be the same, your sprints, your runs. It's your imagination, it's your creativity. That's what wanes. That's what gets tired. So yeah, I mean, if if any of the players, including you know our our front four need to come out of a game or come out of the starting lineup for a game or two. That's what you have Gruev and Anthony and Nonto and, and even Bamford there for, you know, use the squads. It's, it's funny though, because, uh, I mean, I do agree, but like Faka in the pre-match press conference today of this game, he made a great point saying, you know, because all the talk was, why didn't he bring players in for the Sunderland game, you know, mix it up. But he mentioned the fact that when we lost against Stoke, after he had made a couple of changes, people were like getting on his back for not sticking with a winning team. So yeah, it's that old thing of like the thing you didn't do being the right option. But yeah, for me, I just, you know what? I just, I just want to see Nyonto starting now. I'd take Piro out and I'd play Nyonto. The other, the other thing as well, and this was Bamford said it on his podcast the other week. Like he was talking about playing with your mates and, you know, when you've got a really good relationship with somebody, you know, you just automatically link up better on the pitch. And you think about Nyonto and Somerville, you know, the way they celebrate goals when Nyonto's a substitute, you know, them two on the pitch together, you can imagine them linking up, loving playing together. And you've got Rutter there as well. And then James on the other side, bombing up and down. I mean, that's surely our best four. It has to be. And I know they've done fantastically as a four and Piro's, you know, clocking up the numbers and stuff and that's fine and yeah he's had a bad couple of games maybe doesn't deserve to be dropped because of that but I just feel I just feel like that is our strongest four on paper at least and I want to see it yeah I'd love to I'd love to see Nando get a start at this point I, I, th- I think he's earned it with his substitute appearance over the last while he's looked more into it he's looked more game he's looked more aggressive I think the fact that he was playing on the left the other day, although he was in a deeper role, helps him as well. Because let's face it, he had that purple patch at the Premier League when he was on the left. We've been playing him on the right most of the season. So for me, yeah, let's let, let's give it a go. Throw him on the left, put Somerville almost in a free role behind behind Ruter and just let the forward and rip into them. It, it, it's, it, it'd be very exciting to watch. And no, again, Peru has still, will still come in and have a, has a, has a role to play for the rest of the season. But just for a couple of games, let's just see how that works. 
So you've all moved on from a nyont of treachery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, look, whatever gets Leeds points at this stage, we're 10 behind, we've got a lot to make up. I was annoyed yeah, with Nyonta, that... actually. Do you know when, they, like, in, the, in injury time, he got fouled, and then he, like, stayed down, and then he got up and, like, like basically created a melee. Like, it just wasted about three minutes, and I was fuming. Like, that's just such a bad decision. You know, just get up and play the game. What are you, you know, what is he worrying about? All he should be thinking about is getting the goal. And, yeah, it just, yeah, really affected our stride at that point. But, yeah, I'd still play him. Did feel like they got into our heads a little bit though, didn't they? You know, the Sullivan staring up with the, their player at the end and all that stuff and Bamford in the box as well was that was all getting messy where they were throwing one another around. And I was the same with you, Rocco, just like get on with it. We need to make the most of the time that we got in this game. So yeah. yeah. It was the same with there was one where Archie was down again, like a couple of minutes to go, and he was getting treatment on the pitch. And and I'm thinking, well, as soon as he's ready. He's going to be going off for 30 seconds. Just get him off the pitch and treat him yeah. there and then, he'll, then he can come back on. It's just little things like that that was just really, really annoying me. And like the free kick at the end, like the very last action, we get a free kick in like one of those positions that's not really dangerous and that's the one time we decide to throw it in the box and like the, the whistle goes as soon as we put it in the box. Like we should have just been taking a quick one or, you know, that's the time to play a, a short one really. Yeah, funny decision that because it took about took about 45 seconds to set up the free kick as well so you know became the very last chance straight away that was really terrible ending for me do, do you reckon Archie Gray's parents have to sign a medical consent form for him to have treatment because <laughs> <laughs> we were looking at last week weren't we where he had to he has to get changed in a separate changing room which is just insane like he's literally one of the best players in the entire league and he's so young he has to get changed in a different changing room for child safety brilliant it's mad well and he's not even 18 for a while i don't think i think it's like close to the end of the season where it, when is his, when his birthday is he's phenomenal he is yeah he's cracking um right anything else to pluck out from that game very briefly uh, i wouldn't mind mentioning joffy actually yeah joffy looked okay when he came on and it was him who actually put that true ball through for for dan james and only for a defender who was going the opposite direction managed to get a toe on it which made it go up in the air and then didn't come down until the other defender was able to come in and, and, and get another toe on it. He's the type of player sometimes you need to unlock those defences because it's not going to be Dan James kind of running speed through because we're all in a low block anyway. It's that jinky little guy like he did at Brighton two seasons ago where he chipped it over Cucurella's foot and then ran on and chipped it to the back post for a stroke. It's that kind of little jinky thing that's needed against 11 men. So I think I think Joffy might have a little bit of a role to play this season if he can just find a, even a little bit of form again because he deserved an assist yesterday and only for a toe he would have had his first assist of the season. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, I'm I'm still a Joffy fan and I know he's had games where he's started and he's had chances and he's not taken them. But when he comes on, he always he always does something. Like, I just think there's a special player in there and I just want to see him given a proper chance and it annoys me to, like, you know, if I, bringing Bamford on, like, I'd rather see Gelhart, you know, having Bamford sort of in the way of Gelhart and, and Matteo Joseph. And I know I'm, I'm saying that and, you know, I've not really seen any of Joseph, but I just feel like there's a, they're two young players that, like, they need to have a chance and their chances are being stifled by, you know, a player who's, like, terribly out of form and has been for a long time. I, yeah, I, I just, 
I want to see them get a chance. I just I also like I've been really critical of a, a load of things Parker's doing now. Like on this episode, it's just been like a load of things that I'd do differently. But at the end of the day, like he's a manager, like I'm completely supportive of him. But yeah, we we have to we have to discuss it, don't we? Otherwise, it won't be a podcast. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's completely fair. We do. Everyone knows we're we're fully behind Daniel Farga. He's doing brilliantly. But is he going to get everything right? He'd probably get certainly more right than I would, but I still, <laughs> at the same time, I still got to have an opinion on it. It doesn't really matter, does it? We're already fans talking about it. You're on your own. I want Farker out. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to invent a song for that for next week. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm totally with you on that. And I do like the idea of the jinky ting, I think you called it, for, for, <laughs> yeah. Joe, for Joe Galhart. Jinky ting. I like that. Uh, but I completely get it. Like, I'm, I'm the same as you. When Justin came on, I thought, this... This could be brilliant. Like it could be amazing. We could have that moment like we did against Norwich late on. And I think at this level, he can do well. He proved it last season as well, didn't he? So, and I was surprised to actually see him come on. I didn't think he would at all because we haven't seen him for a while. So that's probably a sign of, of Farkas' thoughts as well. Man of the match. So, oh, uh, Bass and Bly, man of the match. <laughs> I will. St- go. I still cracks me up every week. I don't know why. <laughs> I think I'll go with, um, I'm going to have to go with Dan James for his defensive work and endeavour. Um, what, what you should have said there, Rocco, is rather than defensive work, it's preservation work. <laughs> Preserving <laughs> chance. our chances. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, probably it's Somerville, isn't it, for his beautiful goal. And and also, he, he, still, he still looks the best player by a mile, like some of the tripling is just magnificent. I want to see him in the Premier League for Leeds and, and see what he can do there because he looks really special at the moment, doesn't he? He's the best yeah, player in the league, isn't he? Yeah. Has to be. Yeah, he's the most dangerous. Every time he's on the ball, it's quite exciting. He's making things happen, whether it's assists or goals. He's fantastic. And, he, and he's never had that consistency that he's never had before. It's wicked watching him. I love watching him in the flesh. Sometimes I just don't know how he still comes away with the ball. He's like, he's, he's definitely running into trouble there. He's going to get flattened. And he's like, oh my God, he's got around like two players. He's just, he's just unbelievable to watch. Um, it's weird how quickly that it's, that it's happened as well. You know, like you think that transition from last season to this and he's just, he's absolutely flying and, and consistency. The word you use there is, is totally true. And, you know, I think because he's had that consistent run, he's been able to play consistently as well. So yeah, it's exciting watching him please stay injury-free because I think he is the, the key for us. Well, that's the thing as well about Joffe. You know, he's never had that. He's, he's never been afforded that. And I remember the game, the Preston one all. Was it Preston? No. Yes, probably. Was it Preston? We drew one all when Ailing scored. Anyway, Rutter was up front and, and Joffe was behind him and they both had absolute stinkers. Like, they didn't do anything. But I, I said I wanted to see them keep going, you know, just to give them a chance. And one player did keep getting selected and the other didn't. And uh, yeah, we've seen Rutter absolutely fly and Somerville's come in, he's flying. And yeah, Joffy's just just stagnating on the bench. Was it, it, was it West Brom? You've said this before, Preston, haven't you? I have, yes. It was West oh Brom, yeah. <laughs> Everything is Preston. <laughs> <laughs> At least I didn't say, I didn't, at least I didn't call uh, Somerville Sinister. I've got that out of my system. The uh, player ratings sponsored by David Dean. (laughs) (laughs) 
I would say rule, rule making by David Dean. He doesn't allow us to do say and do stupid things. Sorry, Rocco, go on. Yeah, no, it's all right. I, I owe David Dean an apology because I've still not got his, his Coventry articles up. I had it's, my, my car broke down pre-match on Saturday and it, it prevented me from doing it. I nearly missed the game, but thankfully it got sorted. But I'll, well, I'll get them both up straight away. Do you go in the car to upload articles to the website? What's, what's, <laughs> no, what's the website? So you got into the car to upload. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I was, no, I was stuck and had to sort the car out before I could get home to oh, the laptop. Yeah. Uh, Can I do it on my phone? You'll have to teach me. Yeah, I'll teach you. I'll, I'll do a little, a little screen recording for you. Anyway, let's go on with this call. <laughs> right. Well, we've got to do the two game thing as well. So I've prepared oh, it. Man. <laughs> Excuse me. So Melier, Sunderland 7, obviously did that incredible save. But then, yeah, maybe questions about the goal. And then six, I suppose, for Saturday. You could go a bit lower if you wanted. I think I think that's fair. Just touch on that save in that game. Obviously, we want to fly through this because we've got double trouble this week. But that was incredible. Like he, every now and then, he pulls something off, and it is massive. And that was a massive save. It was amazing. Yeah, one of the best goals, one of the best saves I've ever seen. Yeah, I don't even think Nigel Martin saving that. When you look, you know. Melier six foot five or, or more, you know, and he's at full stretch. That that was absolutely phenomenal. Jed, I would give a seven for Sunderland. Thought he was all right, and then I'm going five for Saturday. I was disappointed. Uh, more a Jed weight than a Jedi. Is that what you're saying, Rocket? Uh, that's what you're saying. I'll let you have that one. Okay, thanks. Okay. No arguments. So Archie, six for Sunderland. I think he definitely struggled a bit against Clark, although he got, got to grips with him a bit in the second half. And then thought seven. Thought he was all right on, on Saturday. Who yeah, did you say? Great. I was still marvelling at my Jedi joke. Sorry. <laughs> Archie Gray, six and oh, seven. Yeah. He's at sixes yeah. and sevens. Sixes and sevens again. Rodon and Stroke again, like I, I thought both of them were great. Both both matches, but then we've conceded sloppy goals, so I'm giving them both double sevens. Double sevens. I thought Rodon was. Oh, sorry, Dara. Those are so double sevens are respectable. Yeah, yeah, I thought he he's so good at reading the game. I spent more time watching him, and he was he was brilliant at the weekend. He cut out and sorted a lot of the mess. Brilliant. Yeah, uh, Ampadu, seven and seven. Part of me just wants to knock him down a bit, but I think it's, I think it's man I think management. It's, yeah. I think it's that but, thing you know, I mentioned uh, before, isn't it? About like he's a victim of his own standards. Like, yeah. He, he's, yeah. He's, he's, he's still, he still is a solid seven. He's just not as good yeah. as he was. Yeah. 100%. Uh, is Kamara the same? 7-7? Seven, seven? Kamara's really good, isn't he? I thought yeah. he was really good yesterday. I was just surprised he was the one who came off. He has a really incredible way of getting his body in front of people, for the between between himself and the ball. It's he's he's a class act. You got yeah, seven yeah. and eight. I think so. Yeah, I, I would be tempted to give him more. I think he, I can't remember him putting a foot wrong yesterday. I thought he was amazing all game. Yeah. Okay. These are good scores to say we got one point out of the week. Oh God! Right, this is controversial. Sorry in advance to Joel Peru, but I've gone for I've gone for five and four. I Bloody was hell. really annoyed with him. 
Yeah. Like even his finishing on Saturday was bad. His decision making, everything was sloppy. I thought on midweek, he was just not helping the play at all. But I'm aware that that, that is harsh. Do you want to upgrade him a little bit? You've capped off by sending him some hate mail as well. Jeez, Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Christmas, Joel. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think four is a bit harsh. I think four, four is if you're not trying. Whereas I think he, it's just not coming off for him. And he's just, he, he, I just think he's in the wrong position. I just think it just doesn't suit him. No joie, Joel. It's like some sort of weird Christmas French joke in there. <laughs> Someone will laugh somewhere. It's fine. Definitely Do a, a Dutch joke. one. So should we give him five and five? Seems it's Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. He's not having a six. No, he's definitely not. Well, yeah. Uh, well, to make him feel better, I, my, my Bass and Blind Man of the Match from Saturday, I gave him a five on Wednesday. So I'm not scapegoating Peru. Five and seven for James. I just, I just thought midweek he just didn't get into the game at all. It didn't do anything good. So five. Yeah, even the, even I, the founder of the Dan James Appreciation Society, have to admit when he had a bad game, and certainly Sunderland was was not his game. Okay, feel guilty. Somerville six and eight. I don't think he again didn't do anything against Sunderland. No, we were blunt against Sunderland, but yesterday was amazing. He was back to his best and, like I said, proves he's just the best player in the league. Yeah. And then Ruter, give Georgie a, again, I, I think, I'd, well, six and seven. I think I'd give him a seven just for his superb assist. Is that fair? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, he's... such a great ball, seven yards, but it was timed and weighted perfectly. It comes down to productiveness with him, doesn't it? If you're playing, if you're getting in nine positions and you're not taking your, your chances, then you're, you're not going to score higher, are you? So yeah, I think, I think it's probably fair, even though he's, he's still amazingly, he's like such a yeah. joy to watch, but we just need it to be more productive. Yeah. There'd be a, I think there'd be an argument for giving him a six because, you know, he has, he's, he's wasted a lot of chances and a lot of possession, but then he's come up with the moment. So yeah. Good. Substitutes. Let, let them all off the hook. What about the 70th minute substitute thing? Uh, yeah, why, is, does? why doesn't it happen sooner? It obviously feels like it needs to, doesn't it? Good point. Yeah, yeah it's like a systemic thing, but again, I, I think that's easy for me to say. Jaden Anthony is the only one who scored a goal. Like, our subs are not having any impact on the game whatsoever. So he's got to do something about that because we've got the best squad in the league. Our subs have to be contributing to the final outcome of the game. Yeah. And like Bielsa always used to make half-time substitution, didn't he? And I do wonder whether, like, does that spur the players on knowing that if they're not up to it, if they're not playing well, they're going to get taken off at half-time, you know, no questions asked. That's just what he does. You know, it's not a statement or anything. It's just what he does. Take, you know, changes it for the second half. Yeah, would, would you know, are people, I don't know, would you get more out of them first half if they're, if that's the chance, you know, where they're, sort of know they're going to be playing till 70, 70 minutes no matter what. I don't know. I'd, I'd like to see more. Like sometimes you just know someone's not on it, you know, they're, they're not having a good game. I'd, I'd rather, you know, get someone on when we've got players who are as good as them, like Nyonto and, and then other players that deserve a chance. I'd, yeah, get, I'd like to see earlier. It goes both ways as well, doesn't it? It's like 
you know that you've got to step up if you're going to be taken off at half time, but also you've got a chance to play 50, 50% of the match as well if you're coming on. So yeah, no, I agree. I think, I think we do definitely need to make the changes, some changes sooner and um, when it's just not working. And yesterday was one of them as well, where like we're in the 60th minute. I thought we need to change something here, but just knew that it wasn't going to happen. And, uh, it doesn't feel like we should be in that way of thinking. We should be just changing things when it needs to again. I hate Daniel Farker, so you guys can uh... <laughs> Well, I had another thought, actually. So, so I think, like, Farker did incredibly well at the beginning, like, to get us into this position where we've got a fantastic squad and the, the whole club, obviously. But Farker was obviously a part of that. He's, yeah, he's chose the players. He's chose who's left. He's chose who's stayed. He's managed the whole situation amazingly through the summer magnificent but then like could you just draw a line under that and say right well now from this position how are you doing like with this brilliant environment you've created you know i think i think you know i think you have to judge him from from september the first and yeah doing amazing you know a week ago we were tearing up the championship nine wins out of 11 and it's you know it's two games we've drawn one and we've lost one so yeah, it's an overreaction to spend the whole episode talking about things we could be doing differently, but there's just a lot of stuff that we could be doing differently, you know, so it is what it is. We all want excellence and there's nothing wrong with that. We've wanted it for years. The standard's been set by Bielsa, so here we are. We should probably just do a quick preview of the, the Ipswich game next week. Um, like you say, they drew with Norwich at the weekend. We talked about this on the podcast the other week, that that's a tough game, even though Norwich haven't been playing well. Uh, I saw Ed Sheeran posted a video of him and Delia Smith on the on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, that was funny. Um, but yeah, yeah, anything can happen in those sorts of games. And I don't know what does it do. What does it do for next weekend? Ipswich Town coming to Ellen Road, really tough game for them. Really tough game for us. Will they sit like other teams and try and attack us, or will they just play their game where they just they attack anyway? Um, it, it's going to be an interesting one. I think they'll just play the game, won't they? You, you, you would expect so. It's, yeah, it's obviously massive. Win the next two games and we are probably going to be four points behind them. Is that right? If they lose to Leicester, presuming they lose to Leicester or, it, well, whatever happens there, we're going to be within a couple of games of them. If we win our next two, two matches, that's, you know, we'll be within a couple of games of the top two. So that's exciting. So yeah, massive week. I think this frames the second half of the season. Nothing will be decided, but we have to get six points, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think going back to that initial question, I think Ipswich will come and play their game. They've, it's the only way they know how to play, They've, and it's worked for them. Why would they change it? They, they're on such a winning streak, I think nearly a year now, they've probably only lost a handful of games. So they'll come. And ironically, that will play straight into our hands because that's the type of a game we enjoy as well. And I'm going to back us because I think we've got the best squad in the league. I think we've got the best manager in the league, despite the beating I've given them tonight. And I am predicting that we are going to win comfortably against Oof. Ipswich. I think we're going to win by a couple of goals. Leeds minus two. Nice. Well, we, I mean, we won comfortably at Portman Road, didn't we? Hmm. Apart from Cody Brown giving away a, a goal, we, <laughs> yeah. we, we would have had an easy, very, very easy time of it there. My, my last complaint of the day is the 12.30 kickoff. It's scuppered a lot of plans, really, hasn't it, James? Well, firstly, actually, 
it's up as the last day before Christmas where you could actually do some panic shopping. Like I won't be able to on Christmas Eve. So I was thinking that Saturday I'd have the morning to, to yeah, do some bits. But no, no, Sky TV say we have to kick off at 12.30. Ridiculous. Looks like your entire family's getting Leeds up merch then, Rocker. <laughs> Books. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's it. Um, on, 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 the, on your point there about, you know, hopefully comfortably winning against Ipswich, the scenario does kind of remind me about, when, about the time when West Brom came to Ellen Road as well and how important that game was. And I think if Do you mean can, Preston? I mean Preston. <laughs> but how important that game was when we came out flying, Cooper won the header on 10 seconds, Pablo put it in the back of the net on 16. And that's exactly what we need. That's exactly what we need. And, and Ellen Road has been flat. It has been so flat the last few games. And it's like, I don't like it. <laughs> And we, I think we need the whole place absolutely rocking because um, it's going to be a huge game. I think we'll uh, we wrap it up there for this week. Dara, thanks ever so much for coming on. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Yeah, good stuff. And Marco, thanks to David Dean for, for writing on the, the Leeds That website and your weekly roundups as well. Rocco's roundups, they're going down a storm as well. Well, thank you. Yes, I, I enjoy doing it, actually. It's a nice way to start the day. Yeah, just a little couple of sentences on, on each day past at Leeds. Let's hope it's a happy one next time. Hey, before we That's wrap it. up, well, can I actually yeah, wish my, my, my good mate Victor Orta a very happy oh, yeah. Sunday due, due to the fact that his first managerial appointment in Sevilla, the guy he hired from a barbecue, only lasted <laughs> nine games. So, ha, Victor, here. Keep up the good work, mate. You never, you never let me down. Uh, they've only won yeah. two games. They've won, they've won two league games all season, and the the and then they lost all. Oh, they didn't win in the Champions League. Finished bottom, and then the other two games they've won against like regional teams in the cup. So yeah, going very badly for Victor, which is which is a joy. Yeah, you've actually just reminded me, we did mention as well, we're trying to end the episode, but I've just remembered a couple of things now, but Ray Fell also passed away as well, who was chairman of the Leeds United Supporters Club for 31 years. I didn't realise well, but the Supporters Club was um, actually born at the same time as the club, so it's been around for a very long time. So, you know, for him to have been chair of that for a third of its lifespan is pretty incredible. And I know loads of people think very fondly of him as well. So yeah, sorry to hear. Uh, on that note, we'll see you shortly. Uh, after the Ipswich game and let's hope it's a, a positive result for all of us. Cheers. Network.